Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Canine Experts Podcast. Join us as we discuss all the latest advice on training, behavior, grooming, products related to the dog industry, and more. We'll also be interviewing canine professionals from many different levels. Vets, trainers, behaviorists, business owners, and staff from all over the world will be sharing their knowledge and experience. And now, here is your host, Jose Menendez. Hey, Cody. Cody, William, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm very good. How has it been doing? I mean, uh, how have you been doing this morning? Uh, well, today's been a pretty busy day. I just got home from uh, an in-home session with a gentleman I'm working with, uh, Presser Canar, I mean, uh, Kane Corso. And uh, okay. uh, he's, he has a long-term uh, vision. He wants to put it in the show. So, you know, we're just kind of going through the basics right now, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And he's really dedicated. So, you know, really busy, but, you know, I got unlimited energy for people who are willing to work, really. I love your enthusiasm, man. I mean, I've seen all your videos on Facebook and Instagram and all this stuff, and that you just look so happy doing what you do. I'm happy doing what I do, and that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work, but like, what else am I gonna do? Well, that's awesome. So you are in uh, it's Hamilton in Ontario. Yeah, I'm in Hamilton, Ontario, nestled in uh, in nestled in Canada. Then, yeah. How's the weather over there right now? Uh, right now it's looking a bit gloomy, uh, but I mean, every day has been so hot. It's been great. Um, I mean, I have to get up really early with the dogs, especially because, like, the dog I work the most, like, you could call her my demo dog, although I kind of don't like that term. You know, right. I have to get up really with her just because that sun keeps, like, when it starts beating down on her, you know, we only have so much time we can work by. I mean, hotter the better. For me personally, maybe not the dogs. Yeah, well, you know, it depends on the dog also. If you <laughs> have a, a short nozzle dog, it would be just bad for them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So... What made you start this uh, business of dog training? You, you went from marketing to school, right? Yeah, I went to well, yeah, I went to school for marketing, and I had no idea really what I was going to do with that. I went to school like I went to school basically just to fill my time and pretend like I was doing something productive. But at that same time, I was working at a factory building cars for Ford. Um, oh, wow. and it was, yeah, yeah, it was a pretty good paying job. And then you know, when, once I got a job there, I went like, oh, you're set, you're set. You know, but you know, there's there's just something that was gnawing at me the whole time. Probably I just didn't have the autonomy that I wanted. I wasn't getting to you know be myself as much as I wanted. Um, and around that time, uh, me and my fiance now we're getting married next month. Uh, we had just gotten. Congrats! A, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm very happy. Um, uh, we had just gotten a dog at that time, and I had grown up around dogs. But I mean, like you know it. Uh, there are you know most people they grow up and they don't take training like serious. So. I grew up around dogs where you just act, you just acted a certain way towards a dog and hopefully it did the thing you wanted. Um, and I, and I genuinely thought that I was going to be the, the same situation once I got uh, my, my first dog out on my own. Um, and then once I got that dog, I realized very quickly, uh, I'm in trouble if I don't. <laughs> right? And then, and then I went down a rabbit hole of like all these trainers that like had so much great advice. And then I realized, Oh, there's actually a way to do it. And, you know, I put my ego aside and I realized, well, I've already proven myself. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I basically just like took everything that they said as gospel and just applied it to one dog. And then I ended up just having like a, like a really awesome, well-trained dog. And then people wanted me to start training their dogs. And so I started doing that for free and it just kind of like took off. So how long ago you graduated from school? I'm actually like still technically in school. Like okay. I have like a couple more credits to get online and I'm in no hurry to do it. Honestly, like... 
you know, it again, it's just more for a piece of paper than for like a, you know, a life accolade that I'm really going to use to any significant degree. So technically I'm still doing it, but I mean, I just, instead of, instead of like really focusing on like the marketing course itself, I'm just actually out there like training dogs and then marketing them. So I'm kind of like learning by life rather than by school. So that's just kind of where I'm at with that. Well, that's very cool. I mean, you, you just follow your passion. That's all that matters, really. Yeah, that's what it is, right? It was just like, oh, it just clicked. Everything clicks. Like, okay, full tilt dogs. We're doing dogs now. And then they the best. Just so you know, I mean, uh, before I came to this country, I was doing business, and uh, I never thought about doing dog training. Yeah. I, I mean, I like dogs. I, I went to school to learn about training dogs just as a hobby stuff, but never thought I would be a professional. You can really make a good living out of it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it, it surprised me too. Like I started off by doing it for free, but it, it was apparent to me like right away, like, oh, I can't actually even keep up with how many people want me to train their dogs. So, you know, that kind of thing inspires you just naturally like, oh, I can actually like sustain myself doing what I love. And I had no idea that it was coming. You know what I mean? It was one of those things like, you know, just like you said, it's like, uh, you had no idea you were going to do it. And then as soon as it's in front of your face, you're like, oh, I'm doing that. You know. Yeah, I believe that everybody should be exposed to as many things as they can so actually people can pick whatever they feel passionate for. Definitely. And just like just the type of person I am too, like I just I like my whole life I've just done everything as much as I possibly can. I never focused on one thing and just put like just all out, just try to find things I like doing. Um and then you know, naturally like I pick up a thing for a couple of weeks and then I put it down. I pick up a new thing for a couple of weeks, put it down. Yeah, you know, that's just the nature of it. And then dogs are the only thing that's stuck. So it's just like, oh thank God. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, you know, when you have a dog and then you want to do something else and something else and something else, you just seeing the response of the dog, it makes you feel so much better. Like, oh, I'm capable to do this. And then you just start loving it and loving it more, right? The same way that like a dog, we reward a dog for the right behavior and we get more of it. Every time I see the dog do the right behavior that I encourage it to do, it, it gives me a reward. And then so, you know, you just kind of keep building and building. And then it both in both ways. It works in both ways. That's That's true. Hey, Cody, let's take one minute. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. And here we are, back with Cody William. Do you do this in your own home, right? Yeah, so uh, me and my partner, we live in like a, two, it's a, it's an apartment, but it has two floors. And we have lots of room. Uh, I mean, lots of room, depending on who you talk to, but enough to have uh, like at least one or two boarding trains here with me, um, depending on the size of the dog and the issues, obviously, right? Um, but uh, I also go and I do uh, uh, in-home sessions as well. I don't do any group classes or like group walks or anything like that. So it's either a board and train, which I try to encourage everybody to, to do the board and train if they, if they have the resources, because it's just so much more worth it. Like than doing like a, you know, then charging like per hour and then having to come every two weeks. It's like, I get to really lay down a foundation, but right. if the resources don't permit that, I absolutely respect that. And I'm always trying to like protect the resources anyhow. 
So I do like a lot of in-home training sessions too. And also a lot of people want to like really train their own dog too. And I really respect that. So I just go in there and I just kind of help them out and then they, they handle it for the next week. Well, there's always a client for every program. Exactly. I, I, yeah, yeah. And I'm here course. to like, help. I'm trying to like fit them in. That's cool. Uh, let me ask you something. Um, when you take a dog, let's say a puppy, mm -hmm. you know, what, what are you first taking? What do you tell the clients what you're going to do with it? The, like what I'm going to do, it, say if it comes into a boarding train program. Yes, maybe? yes. Well, I do like a, like a, first of all, the crate is a huge thing for me. Um, like if your dog is not used to the crate, it's just right away, it's crate training. There's no real free time that the dog has unless it's direct. Like the, there's no free time for a puppy. And uh, it's just, you're either directly engaged with me or you're going to be crate training. Um, but besides that, it's just engagement and just tons and tons of luring exercises. So I can like build the engagement but also like build the patterns in the dog um i do like duration a little bit like a little bit a couple days after i mean like i build it in too as i go but i really focus on just like getting the dog like really enthusiastically ready to work for me and follow the treats just so we can lay it down conditioning rest yes yes so uh what type of programs are you offering currently for your clients so i don't do um so like if he, I do some puppy stuff, actually I don't do very many puppies. I, I do a lot of uh, you know, behavior modification, but not to any significant degree. Like I don't do, I don't do like really intense aggression cases. I do like, a, I do actually mostly like fearful dogs, like, uh, you know, um, and fearful dogs too that show aggression, uh, more reactivity. I well, you must be very patient because that requires a lot of patience. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, I have to be really patient with them, no doubt. Um, and I'm not actually like a temperamentally patient person myself. So this is something that the dogs have taught me. Um, but like, you know, although they're anxious and reactive to me, it's like when I, when I start to see them turn, it's like the rewards are so much bigger to me. So it's just, although there's more effort going into it, they're giving me more positive feedback once they do start to turn around. And I also like, I get to forge long-term relationships with their owners because it's not like I'm turning around like a fearful uh, reactive dog around like to a perfect dog in like four weeks. So it comes right. in, here, lay down a nice foundation, get it to a place where I'm proud of. And then it goes back to the owners. And then now me and the owners get to really kind of get in there. Cause I, for me, it's not about like factory. It's not like a factory here. It's not like after right. the, the door. It's like, to me, I love the art of dog training. I, I don't skip steps. And then when the dog goes back to the owners, it's like, okay, I'm going to support you as much as I can within reason, of course. Um, so I, I prefer, I actually, it, and it's not even like I go seeking out dogs that are fearful and reactive. They, I just started doing like I, one came in and then I like I showed the progress. I turned it around and then all of a sudden you've got all these people who have a dog that's just like. Word them. come out, yes. Yeah, so like they kind of they kind of dictate your direction. But you know that being said, like I deal with a lot of dogs that are just like temperamentally like high drive. We need to put them in like into some kind of like we need to harness chaos, bring it to order, like right. stuff like that. But like the like the really intense aggression cases. I mean, I'm big on just like stay in my lane. Like I'm never going to be winging it with a dog. <laughs> I don't know what I'm really doing. I, I mean, I have an idea. I'm sure I could definitely do it, but there's so many other trainers in the area that are so much better at than that. So this is just kind of where I stay. So you're molding yourself basically and you're going to specialize in something at the end, I believe. Well, like, I mean, at the end, like, I would, I, like my goal is to be the best trainer I could possibly be and be as well-rounded as possible. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to, put myself into that position without actually having shadowed someone who's like really, really good at it. Like I don't want to be reading tips off the internet to try to figure out how to turn around a really, truly aggressive dog. Like it's just not what I do. Um, I'm always going to stick to like what I do best and then, and then seek out someone who's much better than me 
to, to learn like the rubs before I go and actually start charging people money for it and uh, saying that I can help them out. Well, that led me to the, to the next question. I mean, uh, how important is for you to get advice from other professional people? You're part of the ISCP as, 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 I, as I am, I'm sorry. Um, how important is it for you to get there and get you know, advice from, from other trainers that have more uh, you know, experience? To me, it's absolutely invaluable. It, like there's, there, I have hardly had an original thought when it comes to training a dog. I mean, I think I have, but I guarantee there's someone out there who's been doing it for years longer than me that knows. And like everything that I've learned so far comes from people who I consider to be like world class or really experienced. And I'm basically just like siphoning their, their intelligence. Um, and I just do my best to keep my ego out of it so that I can like, really absorb as much as possible. Um, like uh, I notice myself too. Like I, I try to like watch myself and my behaviors, like when I'm online and I'll go through phases where it's just like, okay, so like I'm paying for like a, you know, over at Tyler Mudo, like I pay for like consider the dog and I, I'm over on Learberg trying to learn from like Michael Ellis, you know, like I pay for these like things and I just try to take my ego out of it and just consult the people who have been through way more than me. Well, also still building my own catalog of personal experiences to help reflect off of it and make it more meaningful to me as like a trainer. Because as you know, like training dogs, although like, uh, you know, we all like rely on each other for information, it is a deeply like personal experience. So I just learn from the best and then I just try to see where it fits in with how I move and how I work temperamentally and physically. Yeah, well, the reason why I ask you this question is that I hope that many new trainers uh, like you, uh, you know, are, are listening to this and they can actually understand that it, this doesn't stop there. You always continue learning. Training never stops. If you stop learning, I mean, you're just going to fall behind, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually just I recently, I was talking to the client this morning and he, I, I said I was coming on your podcast and that uh, I was keen on experts. It's like, I hardly, it's like so hard for me to even like conceptualize myself on a podcast with that name because you know, like, like as soon as I consider myself an expert, it's just like, I feel like I'm probably not going to be learning as much. Now, although I do know that like, you know, at a certain point I could be considered a canine expert, but like, just as like a mental, like exercise for myself, I always want to consider myself as like, Oh, I need so much to learn. Like got to keep pushing or also, you know, cause I don't want to be stale. I want to be the best that I can possibly be. And like, you know, this, this, I want this to, you know, not come across as like a very egotistical statement. I want to one day be the best in the world. Now, will that happen? I don't know, but that's not my problem. My problem is to try to be the best in the world. And I can't right. take steps and I have to learn from the best in the world. Well, never give up. Believe me. Uh, when, when I started doing this, uh, I didn't think that I was going to be a good trainer. Uh, and then, you know, I have a great, really good mentor for over one or two years, probably. And, uh, and then I started learning from other people more and more and more. And I'm still developing new techniques. I mean, so awesome. it's so important. Uh, uh, now I'm doing this podcast because I want to expose every single trainer that I can see around. That is so awesome. Share the experience to everybody else. So, that, that's the point of this. This is not really just to get all canine expert people. I can just have a behaviorist coming here, a veterinarian coming here and tell me just basic scientific things. But I also want to hear from people like you. Right, right. It's like the heart of it, right? Like the, at the heart of like all of us trainers who get along so well and share so much, like we have like, a, like an affinity for the heart of dog training. And it, there's no ending to it. So it's like a journey that has no, there, there's no, like, there's no destination. It's, it really is a journey as cliche as that sounds. Absolutely. Hey, Cody, sorry again. Let's take another minute. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
Sorry about that, we just need to take a little break. And here we are again with Cody William. So now, tell our audience, how many hours do you work per day? How many hours do I work per day? Well, the, um, I would say like, um, I would probably say I work around like four hours a day, uh, like really actually working a dog. Um, but you know, those four hours include like taking them out for hikes, you know, things like that. Because to me, like, you know, the training isn't just like something you do. It's like every moment you spend with them. So I take, I make a point of taking my dogs out individually, taking other people's dogs out individually, then taking them out as a group. And so I just mix and match it throughout the day. Some days, some days if I'm not like feeling particularly well, if I'm uninspired, and I know it's not going to be a very fruitful like training day. I will, I will work a little bit less and just kind of like tone it down a bit so that the next day I can come back and hit it hard. You know what I mean? I'm not trying, like I'm always trying to avoid burnout. So I would say like the most, most I'll work in a day, like just directly with a dog, with the dogs I have, would probably be about four hours. Um, but you know, and then the rest of it is cleaning and maintenance and everything like that, right? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. It's like going to school. I mean, you just want to work really for hours. And the rest of it is doing maintenance, taking care of yeah, the dogs, exactly. feeding the dogs, walking the dogs, and doing other things. Especially when you have boarding and training, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's it's mostly like I'm spending like hours, like I'm spending hours cleaning, hours and hours and hours to be cleaning. Yeah. Yeah, I watched a video the other day about the pee and the problem with the dog. And then... Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest with people. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's not, nobody's perfect. It's not perfect. It's messy. It's just like half of it is maintenance and the other half is just hard work. Let me ask you something. I mean, I, I completely forgot to ask you from the very beginning. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you and, and your fiance are doing okay, but how are you handling with this pandemic? How bad is there in, in Ontario? Uh, um, how are you dealing with the clients? Uh, so initially when the pandemic hit and it was, there's just so much uncertainty, right? Like, and, and then every Every other day, they're telling us something different, like wear your mask, don't wear your mask. Right. Like, you go outside, don't, don't go outside. Like, you know, so it changes all the time. So it's important for me to stay like fluid um, as a trainer. Um, and, I, and my clients, you know, I turn down way more clients than I work with. And the clients that I work with, uh, I very specifically choose ones that are like willing to be flexible with like their ideas, how we approach training and everything else. So when the pandemic hit, I experimented with doing some online training and stuff like that. And then that didn't work out. So we, we kiboshed that. And then we're on to the next. And so we've been like trying to change and morph at all as a team. Like it, to me, like my clients are a teammate. Like we're all a team. We're all in this together. And they've been like so resilient to this whole process. And they've been so good with their dogs. And and um, uh, I'm really being patient with me as I try to figure out as a young trainer, like where I go from this. Because I had no idea if we're going to be able to open up even within the year. Like we had no idea right. at this point. So I was just trying to like figure out and, I, and I, to me, like I'm a very hands-on person. I like seeing the client, I like handling the dogs. So online for me, that's a, that, I struggle with that because you know, I have unlimited amounts of energy to train dogs, but I have very little energy to like sit in front of a computer and like do that kind of stuff. So they were very patient with me as I figured out and tried to learn, but ultimately at the end, we're very lucky now where uh, our province has loosened some restrictions and we're allowed to gather in groups of, you know, less than five. And, and if you go to a restaurant, it's six feet distance. They just started that yesterday. And me, me and my fiance went over to Denver the first time in like months. We love going out, having a glass of wine and enjoying the sun. Yesterday was the first day. So, so although, um, you know, these were tough times for myself and my clients as well, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in like, you know, like, the more you go through and more you go through successfully, um, the, the person that comes out on the other side is a much stronger, more resilient person. And as you've probably seen in my videos, like my whole thing isn't about getting the dogs that snap in the heel like hard. My whole thing is confidence and competence. 
And so at the end of the lockdown, me and all my clients uh, like are now arriving at a more confident and competent state of mind. And we're just going to transfer that onto our dogs. So yeah, we went through a bunch of stuff together, but you know, I'm grateful for the hard times. Like that's how I arrived at dog training in the first place, going through everything. And then you find out who you are. So we found out who we were and we're happy with it. I love your passion, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. That's the reason why I picked you for this uh, podcast. You know, uh, the way that you show in the videos, the enthusiasm that you have, and the way you, you talk to the dogs, the way you direct the dogs, it's just very cool. Oh, thanks, man. I'm just doing the best I can. That's good. That's good. So what are your next goals? I mean, in the near future, let's see this pandemic is over. What are you planning to do? So next. my next goal is, it's, it's funny you actually bring this up. I, I'm communicating with uh, another, uh, you know, a, a business owner in the area. He runs a, a successful, um, like, off-leash only program. Um, and uh, he's, he's built up, like, a great, like, uh, business. Um, and, uh, but what he doesn't have is kind of what I do have. Like, he does a lot of, you, you bring in the dog for the four weeks, and then he gives you back the dog, it's good off-leash. Um, but he wants to take a step back and then he wants to have a, you know, a trainer come in and kind of really take over and uh, really expand the business into something that's more dynamic. Um, so, you know, as we're, you know, he has like a nice rigid program and it works really well. But the way I like to look at it is just like, uh, you know, my, my goal really is to have like a facility where I get to like really sink in and have group classes and, uh, you know, have like the trails to go on with people and really use the environment for environmental socialization. So just get as like close to nature as possible, but have a facility for just both to facilitate anything that we need. Um, so we're, I'm in communication for now and who knows if it's going to work out. And if it doesn't, that's totally fine. You know, like I don't force anything and he's a great guy. And, and if he wants to work with me and I want to work with him, great. But ultimately our goals will never change. I would like a facility and uh, like a property where we can get out there and we can really work the dogs and get them close to nature and enrich like their lives, uh, you know, as close to what they are as the animal, but also bring the human to the animal as well. Everybody's so focused on taking the animal and bringing it into the human world. But it's just like, I feel like people could really benefit from getting out and getting into like the dog world, like the nature itself. So something like that, some kind of balance will be my goal, but I'm not rigid in anything and I'm just going to surf it. Whatever wave comes, I'm just going to hop on and see where it goes. Well, that's good. Uh, I mean, I like what you're saying and I believe that you're going to reach your goal uh, regardless of who you're going to be with. You know, if you keep doing what you're doing, you, you'll get there. Oh, thank you. Oh, of course. Uh, tell me, uh, so, so the clients or, or people who's listening or who's going to listen or watch this, what are your main techniques? Uh, I, I hear from the beginning that you use positive reinforcement. Yeah? You, you want to gain the confidence of the dogs first in order to proceed with the training. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so like for me, it's, it's super, super important to not have like a, like a tyrant-peasant kind of relationship with the dog. To me, uh, like I really want the dog to want to engage with me. It's just like, I, I want you to be around me. I want you to work with me. So a lot of that, and it's not, and I'm not trying to trick the dog into doing that. I really want it and the dog can feel it, but I'm also using, you know, high value rewards. I'm using lots of, uh, you know, uh, uh, praise, you know, just things like that, just to really build the dog up. Um, but like once, and, and teach it the rules. Um, but then once we get to a place where I know the dog knows what I want, then it's time to, you know, it's time to start to build in like the pillars of respect for the dog and me. So the way I look at it is like, okay, I've built, I've given you all the tools to know how to do something. So now I have to uh, now build in the, the safeguards to prevent you from doing what you shouldn't so that I can take you everywhere with me. Cause that's my goal. I want dogs to go everywhere with me. 
And if I just let a dog make its own decisions all the time, and it's only positive reinforcement all the time, then there's no possible way I could take my dogs in the situations that I do. So it's almost like, you know, I, I don't have children, but I predict that it's similar. It's like if you, if you only show your kids what to do, and then you don't let them, and then you don't teach them what not to do, nature will do that for them. And nature is, nature is a beast compared to me. So I, I just try to make it as fair as possible and uh, make it as fun and exciting as possible and engaging. And I try to keep my corrections as low as possibly needed. And, uh, you know, it changes per dog, but ultimately I'm just reading the dog and doing as little as, as possibly can on the punishment side and as much as I possibly can on the positive reinforcement side. But don't get it twisted. Like, I'm not, I'm not a purely positive trainer. And if, if people are a purely positive trainer, that's awesome. Good for them. That's just not what I do. And I'm not, I'm not throwing any judgment. But that's just the philosophy that I have. And, uh, you know, it's near and dear to my heart. And I'm always having an open mind. I'm always willing to change my philosophy. But it seems to be working really well. And I love my dogs and my dogs love me. And, and I'm having a lot of success with the owners. And we're able to take our dogs everywhere with us. And that's the goal. How can I unlock everything for the dog as much as possible? Yeah. Well, it seems like you are pretty balanced yourself as well. <laughs> You're applying the same techniques to yourself. I, I try my best, right? Like, I can't expect from them what I can't expect from my, you know what I mean? Like it starts with me, you know, it's almost like uh, when I lead a dog into like the water or, you know what I mean? I'm trying to teach her to swim. I always get in the water first. Like I will never get a dog to do something I'm not willing to do. So if I expect them to be balanced, then I have to be balanced myself. Now that doesn't mean I'm not like, sometimes I am off balance and that's when I put the leash away and it's not, I'm not going to train them that long, you know, but like when I am balanced and I'm in it, we're picking up that leash and we're going to go do some awesome stuff. Well, you have to feel the right energy because, as you know, if you are not feeling right, the dog is not going to respond. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, you go, you go backwards, and I'm not trying to go backwards. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been there many times, too. I mean, it has to be the right moment to train the dog. The dog has to trust you. You have to trust, and you have to trust yourself, mainly. Yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. And, you know, like, when I first started training, there were, there were emotions involved, you know? You would actually get frustrated. Now it's just like, I just pretend I'm frustrated to the dog, you know? It's just like, there's no real, like, there is emotions, but they, they don't dominate, like, how I approach training. And that's, like, something I'm proud of. And then hopefully as I continue on as a trainer, you know, like, it's just, it's just binary. It, it's, just, it's just a game I play with them, and I don't take anything personal at all. So, oh, no, I understand that. Now, um, let me ask you something. Like, I always ask this to every single trainer. Do you think all the breeds can learn the same? Um, I think, like, some breeds have uh, more capability when it comes to learning certain things. Like, I've got a Dutch Shepherd here, and I could not ask her to do what my, like, Pitbull German Shepherd mix would do. You know what I mean? He's, he's like, more goofy. He's a bully. You know, he's, he's, he's his own thing, but she's her own thing. So, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's just like, if you're really committed to training, I don't think there's a whole lot you can't train a dog to do. You know, people always say, oh, you can't get a Husky to recall. Well, that's not true. <laughs> you know that's what I mean? Not true. You know, it's just like, you know, we kind of see it in the world right now. It's just like, it's like, if you try to discriminate, like on breed and say like, oh, this breed does this thing, uh, and the, uh, but it can't do that. And then, you know, you start to like pigeonhole yourself as a trainer or as an owner, and you're never going to exploit like the full potential of the dog. So every single dog, whether it's a Malinois or a French Bulldog, like I approach it the same way and I try to just get them to do their best, right? And it's all about progress and some just fly through the progress and, and some, you know, need some help and that's totally fine. It, it's up to the dog. 
And, you know, that's like going back to what we said about like not being emotional. It's just like, if I was emotional, like, why aren't you doing this? Like, that doesn't work. It doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Just do your best. And that's all that matters. So, yeah, some dogs are more capable than others. I mean, I have different dogs are all trained basically the same, and they do totally different things. Well, I'm asking David because I, I want people to understand that they, those were bred for certain reasons. And when oh, we choose oh, yeah. dogs, when we have to pick on the breeding, what they are meant for. And well, we use that as a, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Um, I just, just to speak to that, uh, yeah, that is a huge thing that I try to educate my clients on, is like, just because you see my Dutch Shepherd doing these in videos doesn't mean that your Bernese Mountain Dog is going to do these things. <laughs> so a large part of like, being a dog trainer is just managing their expectations. You know, and like some, some trainers or some owners will be like, well, why, why, like, you know, I gave you my dog and it's not doing the exact thing that your dog does at home. It's like, first of all, you know, these are different dogs and they're bred for different reasons. Um, and, and also this kind of brings me to like something else that I think that's important to talk about too, is, you know, the people who are really uh, like adamant about like adopt, don't shop. It's just, it, it's, it, but without realizing that, you know, the people who are sh like, there are these dogs who are bred in a very specific way that you can predict their capabilities. And these dogs are very, these dogs are the reason why we can even own dogs as owners in the first place, you know? So, you know, at, at the end of the day, if you you don't buy uh, a Malinois to do like Alaskan sledding and stuff like that, so you know, like I said, it's all it's all about managing the expectations, and and it's all what you want. Like if if you don't have like high expectations of your dog, and you just want to have a nice pet at home, um, like it does, you know, like you can go to the shelter and you can get something. Like I I I have one purebred dog, and I'm not even the one who bought it; it was surrendered to me. You know, so I'm not I, I just I just hope people can like keep their expectations in check. And that's part of my job too, to communicate to them that way. Well, that's good to know. I mean, I'm happy that you understand that as, as I do. And hope clients can understand as well that not every dog is capable to do everything. Mm -hmm. We just need to take one more break and we'll be right back with the last segment with Cody William. And here we are again with Cody William. We're enjoying this so much. I hope you too. So how many pets do you have? Uh, I have three dogs that are my own and I have two rabbits that are, you know, useless, but we love them. <laughs> you know, they just, they just eat our resources, but you know, they, you know, they kind of play a role too in the dog training. Like if I have a dog and I, you know, it's a relatively safe dog, that's not like intensive prey drive. Right. I might have them, I may be doing duration work and I'll have the rabbits out running around and stuff like that. If I know it's like a relatively safe dog, I keep an eye on them. So they kind of help me in that way, but otherwise, you know, they're utterly useless. Um, but I have three dogs and uh, one is the, the dog that you see the most uh, in the videos doing like the obedience. Uh, her name's B, and she's just like some farm accident. That's the brindle one? Um, no, that's like the pure black one. She's oh, fluffy. okay. Fluffy, yeah. She's a cross between a Rottweiler, a, a black lab, and a golden retriever. She just looks like a black golden retriever. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, she's really cool. She's really awesome. Special. Really special dog. Um, 
And then she does a lot of like work with me, like especially with like, the fearful anxious dogs. And then uh, we rescued uh, Ranger, and he's the cross between a pit bull and a German Shepherd. He's like the young guy who's just like <laughs> clumsy. He's a great, he's a great dog. And then we've got, of course, the, the Dutch Shepherd, who's just a spectacular athlete that is just so much fun to bring in the woods. And like, I mean, your big, my biggest worry with her is like her jumping off the cliff for fun. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> no complaints there. Well, I have two dogs. I used to have three. Uh, two of them passed last year. I just adopted a new one. I keep my Newfoundland. She's uh, eight years old. Oh, boy, she, she was so much work. <laughs> like, in what way? Uh, fearless, completely fearless from the very beginning. Destroy, destroying everything. That was the last one in the leader that nobody wants to take. Right, gotcha. So it was a lot of work. And then right after I got it, I had to go through surgery. So it kept me away from work for one year. So she was a crazy dog. <laughs> that was probably pretty tough on you. Was it, was it easy to, or was it pretty hard on you to take a full year off of training? Well, uh, it was... Tough. I mean, not being able to train dogs, not being able to walk dogs, not being able to play with dogs. You know, I have to be just away from them for a little while and just watch my dog from far away because I couldn't be even that, you know, let it jump on me or the way they correct or anything like that. But I, after I passed the, the, you know, the re rehab uh, process, six months after, she was a perfect dog. I was committed just to put it back in track. That is so awesome. And that's the thing too, like a lot of people, especially with the, the coronavirus, they feel like they're really behind on their training. Like, oh, like, uh, you know, it's been months and like, I don't know if I, like, can we even, it's just relax. We're going to train it. We're going to get it right back on track. Just, just relax. Yeah, there's so much time. There's so much way to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're back, you're healthy now? Oh yeah, perfectly healthy. That's awesome. It took me a few years, but I'm perfectly healthy. Hey, uh, uh, Cody, let me, let me ask, why are you taking some of the new tools that we have out there uh, to, to, to help dogs to uh, be trained, like correction tools, like e-collars, electronic collars, uh, you know, small correctors and stuff like that. Like, what's my opinion or if I use them? Is that yes, I want to hear. I, I use, like, I don't limit myself to anything. Like, I use clickers, I use e-collars, like, um, I just, my whole thing is, like, as long as I know how to use them properly and fairly, then I'm going to use anything that's at my disposal. Especially with something like an e-collar, it's like it, every the world is just evolving technologically. Right. It's, like it's just such a beautiful it's such a beautiful tool to use, and a lot of owners like could really benefit from having it. Especially like I work with like a lot of older people who like physically have a difficult time managing some of their big dogs, and it just like opens their world up completely. So that's why like a big part of what I do is just like I try to educate people on like what it is. I'm not trying to shove it down people's throats because honestly I don't care either if they want to use it or not. Uh, I just I but I don't limit myself to anything. As long as like I can sleep at night knowing that I, I use them fairly and in a controlled way while also teaching, spending way more time teaching the dog how to, how to you know, operate without having to be corrected, then I, can, then I know that I'm doing the best I can. And I see it in my dogs, you know, like they're happy, they're healthy, we're going everywhere together. And a lot of that is just using tools that are at our benefit. Like I'm not going to be using the palm of my hand to nail a nail into a piece of wood when I have, a, you know, a hammer. I hated using that analogy. They're not hammers. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, you want to bleed a lot. <laughs> you believe that? No, I'm just joking. Better analogy. What I'm saying is like these tools exist for a reason, and they they exist to help us out and to to unlock the dog's world. Is the way I like to look at it. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, I'm, I'm open to use any, any tools that can help people. And, and, you know, if you see, of, of course, what you mentioned about older people that they don't have the physical strength to train the dog, that's mm. a perfect tool for them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like, 
you know, some dogs I don't use e collars for, and some dogs I do, and it's, it all depends on like the dog. You just gotta like, you gotta give what's coming to you, you know? You gotta stay fluid with each dog, and you gotta approach it with fairness. Yeah, that's awesome. So, what can you tell to all these new trainers that are out there? What would you get your best advice for them? Based um, on your own experience. I would say, my, like, I would say put the ego aside, because like, it, it's, it's impossible to not bring your ego into the situation. But like the more you can put it aside and let like everybody else who's been through way more like tell you how they did it, um, like the easier the process will be. I not only like yourself as a trainer, but also the dogs. So I would say just keep your mind open, just so open, so open, so open that. You, but don't let your brain fall out. You know. That's very good. Thank you so much, Cody. Uh, we want to hear a couple more things from you. Let me ask you this: um, Are you planning to come to the U.S. sometime? Oh yeah, absolutely. I love the U.S. I'm a huge fan of America. I love, I love how I just, I've been in the States many times. I mean, I'm a Canadian, so, you know, we're like right there. Uh, my fiance, she grew up right on the border. I love America so much. And I was planning on going to the conference and, and I think- I was just going to ask that. <laughs> I was planning on going, but you know, I don't know where that is now with everything, but you know, I was really planning on it. You know, I'd like to go all over the world, you know, and just see dogs and see trainers and see how they do things, you know. And that's the nice thing about being a dog trainer is that there's a dog in every country. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Our, our next goal, I mean, after doing this podcast, I mean, we're going to be doing it as, as long as I can. Of course, I'm planning, yes, after this pandemic. You're really good at it. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. I, I'm planning to start traveling and just, you know, interview people live, uh, you know, via Facebook or in any way live and showing what they do really so people can actually see, you know, like you, how to say actually how much love do you put in this work? Right, right, that is so important for me. Right, and you're like you're an awesome communicator. Like I, I think I could do this side, okay, but I, I don't know about that side. I have a lot of. <laughs> you're doing really well, believe me, very well. Well, high fives. <laughs> hey, Cody, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate this so very much. Uh, we're gonna uh, launch the postcard very soon. It's gonna be live on Saturday, Monday at 7 p.m. our time. What time is there over there? I'm sorry. Uh, right now it is 2.15. Okay. Um, yeah, and when did you say it's launching? 7 p.m. Monday. Okay, awesome. And this particular podcast or like a new season of podcasts? Well, we are in the season uh, two. Uh, this is the uh, second podcast, uh, second episode. Uh, and this is going to be actually the second podcast from uh, season one. Sorry, a little confusing, but... I uh, know, I got you, I got you. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Great. Well, anyway, Cody, thank you so much. And I hope to have you here again. We're going to reach out again and, and hope you can uh, join us. Hey, I'm around. Thank you so much. Have a good one and uh, good luck with everything. Say, everybody, say hi to everybody, especially the dogs. See ya. Take care, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Canine Experts Podcast. Don't be afraid to shoot us a message at info at canineexperts.com. Call us at 973-564-6100 and ask anything related to the canine world. Don't forget to visit our blog site, www.canineexperts.com slash blog, where you'll find great info on all the topics. Be sure to tell everyone about our podcast and please subscribe. Stay tuned.